Good afternoon, Eastern Washington and fellow Patriots, and welcome to Patriot Radio, broadcasting live from deep inside the heart of the future Liberty State, brought to you once again by On Fire Ministries in the legacy of Dr. Stan Monteith, bringing you the story behind the story and the news behind the news. It's not about right or left, it's about right and wrong, about our hope not being a man, but in Jesus Christ, about not ending in prayer, but moving to action. And it is also about the gospel of the kingdom. Zechariah 2.5, but I declare as the Lord will be a wall of fire to her on all sides, and I will be the glory in her midst. We're going to show you a video clip here very shortly. It is super encouraging. Now, in 1970, in Asbury, the revival at that time broke out, and the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. And about five days ago, in Asbury, revival broke out again, and the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. And if you're not familiar with Bob Jones' prophecy on this, he said, when you see the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, you will know that it is the time of revival. And I would add awakening, because this is going to be more different than anything that we have ever seen. It's awakening, and an awakening will lead to reformation. This awakening that is here is not going to be localized to one area. It's going to break out throughout the entire country and the rest of the world. Now, we just got back from Kenya, as you heard in the last episode, and I want to share a couple things that happened there. First, there was a meeting of pastors in North Kenya, about 60 pastors, and it included representatives from Rwanda and Uganda. Now, if you don't know the history of that area of East Africa— Revival in the 1950s broke out in Rwanda, spread to Uganda, and then died out in Kenya. And so they believe that it was and is going to restart in Kenya. And there was another prophecy that Kenya would be a springboard to the rest of the world for the fire of God. Now, interestingly enough, just just as we came back from Kenya, (coughs) we had... A couple of sisters in the Lord from Kenya here at On Fire Ministries. And the fire of the Lord fell on Sunday during service. At the same time, Cal Pierce from the Healing Rooms was preaching out at Oasis Church in Idaho. And the same thing happened at the same time. This awakening is going to be different than other awakenings in in that it's a convergence of all the themes of the other revivals and awakenings, and it's not going to be localized to one area. It's going to be all over. It's also not going to be around a person or a ministry. It's going to be about Jesus. And to the extent that we are ready to receive it, Awakening is here. It is here. It is here. Now, I want you to hear a testimony, Travis, if you're ready to roll this. I want you to hear a testimony from Asbury from one of the young men uh, that's involved here. It's, It's, you can just see the Lord on his face, but you can also hear the wonderful presence of God in his voice as well. So let's go ahead and roll that clip. Bible in our city. We've been learning about revival, but I've never seen it. 
I didn't even know it was real. I'm like, I'm just sitting in class and they're telling us all these stories on college campuses and then going across the nation. And we're like, where, when is this going to happen? And then they lock you in a prayer room, but you're just like, hey, you got to ask for it. And we're just sitting there like, God, I'm asking. What, what does it look like? And then all of a sudden, my friend Jaden says, dude, if Jesus just localized himself and just sat his throne in a room, how could we not drive six and a half hours to go see? And we get here. And we get here, and it was like completely, we get here at like 6 a.m., and it's completely silent. And I'm like, well, um, is this revival, God? And we walk upstairs because we're kind of nervous. We're like kind of shaking already. We didn't get any sleep. Just they're terrible road trip partners. They both fell asleep. I drove most of the way. But besides that, we go upstairs and there's people like sleeping and we're like, so this is revival. No, cool. This, this is awesome. And then chapel starts and immediately we just see people flooding in. And God said, revival isn't hype. It's ordinary people who are hungry. Amen. And he said, Gage, I'm going to need you to go to the altar. And I'm like, I don't want to go to the altar. <laughs> and he's like, go to the altar. And I go to the altar and worship starts. And he's like, this is revival. Look left. And I look left. And there's this young college woman getting prayed over by an older woman. And he says, look right. And then there's this young guy praying over an older guy. And he says, look behind you. And everyone's just raising their hands. And he said, Gage, this is revival. It isn't hype. It's ordinary people crying out for a move of God in our generation. And I'm here to talk to everybody in this room who is hungry. What an honor. What an honor it is to be here. Revival's real. It isn't just a story we've heard about. It's come. And it's not just come here today, but it's about to spread out to the nations. It's about to spread out to the United States. And I'm here to talk to every young person in this room. I just gave my life a year and a half ago to Christ, and it has been the greatest thing I have ever done. I left everything, and I'm here to talk to every young person in this room. Forget the job, forget the girl, forget the guy, forget everything. He's worthy, he's worthy, and I'm here. And I'm just saying, oh, it's such an honor. If you don't feel that joy inside of you, I don't know what's going on. It's real. Amen. I love you guys. Amen. 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 Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied, and some translations filled. This seems to be the center of everything right now. Are we hungry for Jesus? Have we put aside all the things we think we know and the intellectual arguments and all of the all of that man-made wisdom and just simply answer the question yes jesus i'm hungry for you yes i'm hungry for righteousness yes i want to be filled and i pray that right now for everybody listening everybody watching lord jesus make us even more hungry for you in Jesus' name, amen. Make us more hungry, Lord. One of the great parts of what has been prophesied over this time in this great harvest 
and this great awakening is that it's not something that we have to do or strive toward. And the idea of having uh, structured meetings and, you know, Holy Spirit's going to shatter all of that. And he's just going to move. And this isn't a visitation where we think the Lord is just going to, because the implication there is he's just going to stay for maybe three days or something and then leave, like a house guest. The body of the believer is the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's his temple. The renewal of our minds that needs to happen, the way we think, we need to embrace, receive the mind of Christ. So we don't welcome Holy Spirit to the service. We don't welcome Jesus to the service. They own the place. I, I'm just honored that you allowed me to be here. Thank you for being here. We need to change our mindset. We're not, Holy Spirit isn't lost somewhere out in the desert. Holy Spirit isn't uh, locked in a cabinet somewhere. He's here. Jesus is here. In Luke 17, it, it says that the kingdom of God is in your midst. And that word in midst, entos in the Greek, is an adverb. In other words, it's describing an action. That he's already here and he's working in our midst. We just need to get out of the way and receive the full measure of what he has for each one of us. And, and I pray that right now over everybody listening right now, that we would receive the full measure of everything Jesus has for us right now. In Jesus' name, everything you want to pour out, Holy Spirit, here we are, we receive it. We thank you for your holy fire breaking out right now. We thank you for cleansing us and encouraging us right now. In Jesus' name. This, this is going to be unlike anything we've ever seen. So if you're trying to like look in the past of like the Welsh Revival or Azusa Street or something, not going to be anywhere close. In fact, the prophecies back then of what would happen about 100 years after Azusa Street ended, which ended in the first part of the last century, when, when they were prophesying, they said, this is going to be a greater move. It's going to be all over, all at one time, and it's going to be the entire body of Christ. And I want to share a testimony with all of you from Kenya. We, we did a baptism in Kenya, baptized over 150 uh, youth and young adults, and as soon as they would just touch their toe in the water, demons would manifest. We had youth helping us to baptize because there were so many people, and we were watching people set free from generational curses, set free from demonic oppression that had been plaguing their families uh, for generations in some cases. It was, ama it was amazing the power of God and how, it, how he moved in that place. And right in the middle of all of it, I just heard that still small voice say, this is coming to America. And it is. It's coming to America. In fact, it's actually already here. Are we ready to receive it? Are we ready to allow our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to shatter 
all of the man-made traditions, all of the man-made wisdom, so that Holy Spirit can flow like a river, not only with water of life in it, but fire over the top. In Jesus' name. And that brings us now to your daily intelligence briefing. Now, I'm, I'm going to talk briefly about some of the things that are happening. But we're going to end the, the briefing with just a quick clip um, of what's going on there in Asbury. We actually are, are playing it 24-7 downstairs here at On Fire Ministries. Uh, this is, it's just incredible. And it's already spreading. There, there is now... Uh, reports of revival, I think, is in North Carolina, and then a couple of other universities where, where the folks that were there at Asbury went back and took it, took that fire of God back with them. So we're seeing this breakout, and it's it's spreading across the entire country, and it's coming through the youth. It's coming through the Jacob generation. And what, what's beautiful is what was sown by the fathers by the Abraham generation is now being harvested by the sons, by the Jacob generation. And the hearts of the fathers are now being turned toward the sons, and the sons turned toward the fathers. It's an amazing, amazing thing. So I want to talk briefly about what's going on in the world. So in the last 72 hours, there have been a a few dramatic uh, developments. So first of all, uh, people are going to ask me my, you know, what my analysis is on some of these things. I'm just going to give you the quick analysis of what I think is going on. First of all, the long-awaited uh, Russian winter offensive has already begun. Uh, the Foreign Affairs Office in France, in Brazil, and, and also well, here in the United States, the State Department, have asked U.S. citizens to leave Russia and Belarus. And that tells us that there is, once again, a, a broader war in the offing uh, happening there in Europe. Second thing, Iranian warships docked in Brazil. This shows you the elections have consequences. And those Iranian warships are now headed toward the Panama Canal. That is a very strategically significant thing because it looks like forces of the enemy, China, Russia, Iran, North Korea are, are acting in concert now. And we, we kind of know this, you know, kind of intuitively, but these are now specific objective facts that we have that we're working. So we always have to remember, too, that the enemy is the great devourer, but that he does work through people. And so when I use that term, understand, because some people have not heard me say this on the show as I've said it many times, but you haven't heard me, well, I'm saying it now. Just remember that. And as we pray, there are, there are things that are coming where God is going to move, even in the lives of those folks. In fact, one report out of Turkey that I want to highlight in the international front is a couple uh, were pulled out from the rubble, and the man in white sustained them. And I, see if you could find that uh, that story, Travis, but sustain them for eight days. And you hear this story when you're talking with missionaries in the Middle East about people telling them about this man in white. And what's well, Jesus? And they, they say, well, who is it? And 
the missionaries are able to open up and testify. It has become so common that some missionaries are now asking, hey, have you seen the man in white? And they're like, well, yeah, how did you know that? Well, let me tell you about it. So, so this is what's breaking out all over the world. So with that context, these balloon overflights very much look like to me and several others that I have talked to uh, at the kind of national level, uh, look like pre-attack surveillance for the Chinese. They're going to move on Taiwan uh, sometime soon. So we have all of these things kind of coming together right now. We also had a jihadi attack in New York. So it looks like jihadists in the United States are, are clearly operationalized now, which is something that we talked about almost two years ago when we start to see that happen. We see an infiltration of the cartels into the northern parts of the United States, the, the, the proxies of China. We start to see this happen, that we know that, that the Chinese are trying to shape the battlefield. And yes, the communists and the jihadis work together and they coordinate. They're trying to shape the battlefield uh, for direct action in Taiwan. And this, this is more than Taiwan because you're going to see something happen in the Middle East with Iran and Israel bigger than just the airstrikes uh, that happened, what, a week and a half ago. So we know this stuff is out there. We know this stuff is happening. And back here at home, I actually had the opportunity to listen to a briefing by Andrew Brunson. Now, Andrew Brunson is and was a pastor uh, who was imprisoned in Turkey for a couple of years, persecuted horrifically for his faith. His briefing was very jarring to the group of pastors uh, that met. And it was jarring because I think a lot of people haven't thought this way. Like, what, how do I prepare my heart for great revival and to not see with my physical eyes what I'm seeing what's happening in the world but see with my spiritualized, Lord, what are you doing in this time? How do we prepare our hearts for that? And Andrew Brunson, and if we could post this up there, uh, the link, has a great series at frc.org, okay, it's familyresearchcouncil.org, slash prepare to stand. And he has a, a fantastic series. It's an eight, I think about 15 minutes each, but it's about eight videos about preparing your heart for times like this, because the refining fire for his church is coming before revival fire. Well, we're at the end of refining fire, if you're ever at the end of it, really, but it's kind of like now it's shifting into revival fire, and we don't even fully understand this, and so how could we have our hearts prepared for very difficult things happening all around us, but at the same time... God is moving in a massive and tremendous way all over the United States and all over the world. And so it's a, it's a fantastic series, um, especially I just if you're, if you're a man and you're listening to this today, especially for you, watch Prepare to Stand. Also want to uh, just say I love you to my wonderful wife today and also I love you to my mom uh, it is Valentine's Day, and so it's just another opportunity to say I love you and really appreciate those in your life. So take, it, take a moment to do that tonight. 
And don't just shove it off as another holiday for Hallmark or something like that. Just take it as an opportunity to say, I love you and really appreciate those people in your life. And, and ask the Lord, hey, what, what can I do to honor the people in my life tonight? And take that moment to really do that and press into it. Also want to mention on the local front, a couple of events that are coming up. And I think we've got some graphics that we can actually share with this. But the circuit riders are coming here to Spokane, Washington, to Valley Christian School. Friday, is it 7 o'clock, Travis? 7 o'clock, Friday, Valley Christian School. And the circuit riders, if you've never heard about them before, they're, they're focused on youth and young adults, but everyone is welcome. And it's worship and prayer and ministry time. Again, Valley Christian School this Friday, 7 o'clock. There is limited room, so make sure that you take a look at the links, RSVP, show up early, and be a part of this. It, again, we're seeing this awakening coming through the youth right now. And these events, whew, this is where the fire happens. This is where communities, cities, regions are transformed. And so please join us this Friday for the Circuit Riders, 7 o'clock, Valley Christian School. Now, the weekend following, we're going to have another event. It's going to be here at On Fire Ministries, downtown Spokane, 115 East Pacific. And it's going to be Bear Paw School of Ministry and Bethel Worship are going to be here at On Fire Ministries Friday night, 6 o'clock on the 24th. It's primarily going to be focused on youth and young adults. All are welcome, though. And then on Saturday, that's going to be wide open. So grab your friends and family. Come down for a couple great nights of worship and prayer and ministry time, the 24th and the 25th, right here at On Fire Ministries. And again, we're in this time right now. Revival's here. Awakening's here. Are we hungry? Do we receive it? Do we receive it? Also want to mention a couple things coming up too. Now, I, I can't mention who yet. But we have a huge event coming back to Spokane, Washington. If you're listening right now and you want your church to be involved and to join the other churches that are involved in this, please contact us. You can send a, a message via Facebook you can also very easily contact us online. You can just very simply uh, email us at patriotradio at spokaneonfire.church, patriotradio at spokaneonfire.church. Now, we've got a website that's being created. Uh, we're going to have all our back episodes on that website as well. Um, it's going to be a website that can't be deplatformed either, so we're, we're making those uh, preparations as well. If you get the chance, send us an email. We want as many churches as possible to be involved. Again, this is not about one specific ministry or one person or anything. This is about Jesus Christ and making Jesus famous, as one of my friends always likes to say. We want, we want the unity of the body of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit to reign here. And so, huge event coming up. And if you want to be a part of it, again, Patriot Radio at 
spokaneonfire.church. Okay, I want to talk about two other things before we get to our guest today. First of all, we are now seeing breakthrough with ideologies that are anti-biblical, anti-Christian, okay? Um, and, and there are two main lines of attack uh, that, that the kind of woke mob uh, goes after. And I want to, I really want to drill down on this before we bring our guest on, because it, I think it just shows a good framework from which we can have discussions, but also we can pray into. So the first attack of the woke mob right now is against the Christian church, the exclusivity of Jesus as the way to salvation. So we're, we're seeing this attack that, no, there's many ways, many roads to many gods and all this other stuff. Now, look at Romans 1 deals with this issue very succinctly. There, in, in many other verses too, but there is one way to Jesus Christ. He is the, the way. In fact, that's what Christianity was originally called, the way. The way, the truth, and the life. The woke mob cannot tolerate one way to God. Even though it clearly makes sense that a loving God would die for us, that we don't have to work our way up there, we are saved by grace through faith. Now, the second woke mob attack line of effort is obedience to the commands of Jesus. Now, you heard this in the Garden of Eden. Did God really say, right? And so everything, and it's not just wrapped around uh, the, the homosexual issue or the issue of, uh, you know, this mutilation of children uh, in, in some just horrendously disturbed way of trying to change gender. Gender is genetic. It is an attack too on, hey, it's okay if you get drunk all the time. It's okay if you do drugs all the time. It's okay if you do all A loving God's going to still let you into heaven. And that actually is a falsehood because God would be denying himself if he did that. All of these are sin. This is not one sin over another. All of them are sin. But the attack by the woke mob is to say, no, it's okay. Snort as much cocaine as you want to. Be debauched as much as you want to. No worries. When, in fact, God is saying, no, there is something way, way better. And Jesus Christ died on the cross 2,000 years ago. Sacrificed himself. So that we could be with him forever and those sins would be covered in his blood. But all we have to do is receive it. And receive the forgiveness that he bought and paid for on the cross. So these two attack lines, they've been refuted logically uh, millennia ago, but they're still coming back. And so if you want the truth, the truth is a person. His name is Jesus, and he really is the way, the truth, and the life. And his love will transform you. His peace will transform you. His joy will transform you. 
All you have to do is receive it by grace through faith. And it's open to everybody listening today. Some of you may have grown up in a big complicated thing. Some of you may have grown up in a, a very religious environment that said you have to do this, 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 and this, and if you mess up one thing, you're done. That's not Jesus. Jesus is yearning. He is longing for sons and daughters to come into his kingdom in the revelation that we are actually sons and daughters in his kingdom. So, these two lines of attack Andrew Brunson brought up, this is where they're coming at. We need to stand on these things that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And we need to stand on that obeying the commands of Jesus is love. That's what he himself said in the scripture. What a wonderful, honorable time to be alive. And it's just an honor to be here on Patriot Radio sharing these times with you. God bless you. And remember, we are on all the social media platforms. We're also on Podbean, Spotify, Amazon, and you can find us on many, many others. But share, don't presume people are hearing this message. Share it with your friends and family. Hit like, hit subscribe, share this stuff so that the message can be amplified because really it's us doing it together. It's not just me. It's not just Travis, not just Sawyer. It's us doing it together for his glory and honor and praise in Jesus name. All right. It's my honor right now to bring on a Patriot radio for the first time. And we're going to talk about a couple of Great issues here. Zoe Warren, he's a filmmaker, freelance video producer, documentarian, and journalist who's been producing commercial narrative and news contents in 2009, but a special emphasis on guns today. Zoe, it's great to have you on Patriot Radio. How are you doing, my friend? Thank you, sir. I'm I'm honored, to be perfectly honest with you. I am uh, uh, supremely honored to be on with Matt Shea. You know, you're actually the subject of my next, well, part of my next documentary. So this is kind of providential for me. When I saw your name, I was like, what? This is going to be awesome. <laughs> wow. I, You know, usually when somebody says they're doing a documentary about me, I don't know, you know, it's usually not a positive one. <laughs> so, well, thank well, you. We, I, we have I'm mutual friends. So, yeah, yeah we have we mutual do. friends. And I think it's great, man, that, that I get to be on the, the program with you today. And I really enjoyed your, uh, your message uh, on the gospel and what it really means, you know, and so I, I really appreciate that as well. Well, well, thank you, and and the the honor is mine. And I just I thank you for taking the time to be on with us today and talk about some of these issues. One of the most controversial issues today is guns. Uh, you know, I had a mass uh, shooting uh, the other night. Uh, you know, and it's just I mean, it seems like it's once a week now. And then the drum beat is out there. We've got to get rid of guns. We got to curtail firearms rights and all these things. Just, I just want to give you just a, a wide-open canvas right now. Paint the picture. What are you seeing? What are some of the stories you're hearing right now here in America that our listeners and everybody watching should know? Well, what I'm, I'm really actually encouraged. I mean, we are upwards of, uh, we're, we're at almost to 50% plus one of uh, constitutional carry state, some form of constitutional carry. You know, some of them aren't fully constitutional. It's like, you know, open carry with infringement or 
<laughs> conceal carry with infringement. You can conceal carry, but you can't open carry without a permit, or you can open carry, but you can't conceal carry without a permit. But there's some form of carry you can do of a sidearm without needing the permission from the government, as long as you're not like, you know, a violent felon, or, or there's no legal uh, reason why you shouldn't be able to carry a firearm. And it has um, nothing to do with the color of law. It has to do with you actually having violated some uh, criminal statute. And so I'm, I'm really encouraged. You know, the, there's several decisions that have been handed down to in the recent uh, months, even <laughs> like the Bruin decision, New York State Pistol Association versus Bruin, um, that are just helping us to roll back the infringement. Some of these infringements have been here for 60 years or more. I mean, things that are related to serial numbers and, and things that the ATF is essentially creating out of thin air. They think they have the power of Congress to write legislation. You know, they'll, they'll just write a policy and, and the, uh, their ATF head will, will, will give it to the, the DOJ and Merrick Garland will sign it or whatever, you know, and, and then it's law. <laughs> or whatever i don't know how they do it <laughs> but they're getting to the point where they uh you know they just want to make things happen whenever they want to make it happen but all those things are getting shut down we have uh jurisprudence that is in keeping with the constitution now and so i'm i'm encouraged man <laughs> we're going the right direction as far as gun rights is concerned um however i think we still need some gun uh, knowledge. If we're going to have a right, that means we have to have a responsibility. There's no right that doesn't come with a responsibility. If you don't uh, keep up your responsibility, then you will lose your right. That's just the way it works. You know, every right comes with a, a duty. And so I think that now we need to begin to to emphasize more training, more education, an educated populace. Um, not that there should be a requirement to own, but it should be a high on the list of what we encourage and, and discourage just kind of, you know, uh, lawlessness and, and wanton use of firearms. But I, again, I'm, I'm really excited about the future right now. So <laughs> I, I am excited about the future as well, because, you know, the constitutionalist on the Supreme Court finally said, hey, listen, we need to go back and look at what the original intent was here. And we need to apply the standard as the founders understood it at the time. I mean, it, there was not widespread you know, magazine bans, there was not widespread, you know, permitting and all these kinds, of, there was none of that back then. And so the, I, I know that, that a lot of the folks on the left are in, in a panic about this and they keep trying to make it a moral issue. Uh, and I'd like you to weigh in a little bit on both of those things. First, the implications of the Supreme Court decision, just practically for most Americans. And secondly, you know, how do we, how do we articulate the morality of having the ability to defend ourselves and those people around us from evil. Well, I would argue that there is no, I'm going to answer your second one first, morality first, and then I'll go to practicality. And um, morally, I would say there's no, no better candidate to bear the sword than a just person. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when I look at Romans 13, his ministers bear the sword, Paul wasn't saying that it was going to be the heathen forever and ever. Amen. <laughs> the people who bear the sword get their authority to derive it from God. And so that means that when they're doing the work against evildoers, they are doing the work of God. They are av avengers against the work of evildoers. 
And evil doing is pretty obvious, is trespassing other people, because fulfillment of the law is loving your neighbor as yourself. So it's very simple, you know. And so whenever there is a person bearing the sword that is unjust, that is doing evil with it themselves, they are illegitimately using the authority they have. And so they themselves are also subject to the law. So with that said, there's no better person than a just person bearing the sword, right? So good people, moral, religious people who the Constitution was actually designed to govern, it can't govern anyone else. And everybody else is going to have to, they're going to have to have the minutia of state laws that, you know, tie their hands because they trespass people and put them in jail or, or fine them or whatever the case is because they, they won't love their neighbors as themselves. Moral and religious people, and I would argue that you don't necessarily have to be a religious person to be moral, although most of your morals will be derived from a religious mindset or at least won't disagree with it. <laughs> mm, yeah. And so you don't have to necessarily know God to be taught of him and by people that know him what is good and just and right. And so moral and religious people are, that's the subject of the Constitution. Those are the people that have liberties that need to be protected. People who are going to trespass other people, that we have a law to deal with them too. And so morally, it only makes sense that just people will be bearing the sword. I mean, the, the Supreme Court has said on seven occasions that, you know, the police officers have no duty to protect anyone not in their custody. That means there's a gaping hole in between, um, you know, defending ourselves and our ability to defend ourselves if we allow gun control. Because, you know, there were violent mobs destroying entire city blocks, attacking families, burning things to the ground, um, killing people for that matter. And yeah. for me, what's reasonable is an AR-15 because I, I want to be able to have a rifle that has stopping power that can that, that, that can hit people at a distance, that can carry a certain amount of rounds just in case it's a, a mob attacking my family or my neighbors for that matter, you know? And so yeah. it's reasonable to me to have a rifle that has power that can do that. And so to some other person that may not be reasonable. Why should your uh, understanding of what's reasonable play into my understanding of what's reasonable? I'm a free person. I'm a moral, religious person. I'm not trying to violate any laws. You, your discretion should have nothing to do with mine. Um, so there is no moral reason, I believe, that an a person with individual liberties that has not broken the law should have anyone else determining what's reasonable for them. And so it's immoral to me for you to come into my house and tell me how to take care of my children and how to do whatever. But most of our opponents, they are immoral that way. They don't even think parenthood should be a thing. And so, so there, as far as the Supreme Court practicality is concerned, you know, Alexander Hamilton said that when you, our uh, representatives fail us, that we can all resort to the original right of self-defense. And there is no better means to defend yourself than have a sidearm or a rifle that can do that. And... It's, it's, un, it's unfathomable to me that our founders would actually live in this society we're in right now without being enraged. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. pitchforks and torches 20 years ago, for that matter. I mean, Vermont was the first constitutional carry state, 1792. It's in their constitution. They haven't permitted, you haven't had to have permission to, to keep and bear arms in Vermont since, I mean, the constitution was ratified almost. And so the U.S. constitution. So with that said, uh, the Supreme Court is really, in a practical sense, just bringing us back to reality.
because we were we were, we had a, a a departure from reality for a for a short period, and yeah. now we're getting back to the reality. And so that that's how I see it. That's really good. The the reality, um, because the the Marxists using the Hegelian dialectic try to create a fake reality. I mean, they they, they that's exactly what they're doing. They're creating an alternate reality. Now, I want to just mention one thing really quick. This is why I believe they're saying now if and I you see such uh, it's just over racism by leftists now and Marxists, because now they're saying just the color of my skin determines whether I'm just or not. This gets back to your original point about, you know, a, a just person is the best repository for these things that now just by how I was born, that determines how just I am. This, I would like to get your reaction to that. Uh, yeah, that, that's, that's their scheme. It's just a tactic. And anybody who kind of like can benefit from that tactic, if they, you know, just want to win, they'll take it up. It's just a bludgeon. You know, it's a hypocrisy as strategy. They would cry about racism and then, you know, I guess that happens employ only. racism. Yeah, <laughs> employed in all these different ways. Yeah, and under guises of some sort of academic theory, you know. Yeah. Well, okay, we've got a video here I want to play for you and get your reaction to this. Travis, go ahead and cue the video. So here's what we figured out. All of a sudden, around the beginning of the year, YouTube silently changed its guidelines when it comes to firearms. In the new guidelines, you're not allowed to add prohibited accessories onto a firearm in the video. And so what do I mean by silently, and what exactly is a prohibited accessory? Well, whenever I say silently, I mean that they didn't actually tell anybody that they updated the guidelines. And so all of a sudden, people just started getting flagged. Well, after a little bit of digging, we figured out that it was adding on these prohibited accessories. So what exactly is a prohibited accessory? Unfortunately, they don't exactly tell us that either. They give us this list, which is homemade suppressors, full auto things, and crazy stuff like that, which none of us really did anyhow. But then at the bottom of the list, they said this is not a full list. Huh. So a prohibited accessory could be, I don't know, a new trigger, could be, I don't know, a flashlight? I don't know. What, I want your reaction to this. Yeah, what do you think? Um, I mean, you know, it's not surprising to me. We have uh, NGOs and private organizations and media companies um, that are essentially working together to create lists and labels, and they provide lectures to law enforcement. And so we have a whole lot of disciplinary action uh, being employed by corporations. It's very fascist. You know, it's very like you, you private ownership, but complete a government control because if you don't do what we say then we'll do something to you and so it's like uh maybe diet fascism you know <laughs> so i expect these corporations <laughs> to kind of <laughs> fall in line and uh and and serve their overlord their global overlords because they think these these crazy americans who you know with these put these plebeians you know who think that they can choose their representation and, and, and make law and know how the government works. We're the patricians. We're the luminous. We know what's best for you. We're selfless. We're doing it for the greater good. And so if you don't abide by our agenda, then we'll cancel you. We'll get, we'll, you won't have access to X, Y, right. and Z. You know, that's why I'm so concerned with digital money and all that nonsense is because, you know, they just, I mean, I, I, I'm not, nothing against Bitcoin. I just, I'm concerned about things people can just turn off. You know, I like gold. 
<laughs> you can't turn it off. And I'm not against Bitcoin. I'm, I'm not trying to go to that discussion. I'm just saying I get concerned about the government being able to say, you know, Zoe, I know you're black, but you got some internalized white supremacy. So I'm just going to take mm. your money and I'm going to subtract about 25% of it. <laughs> that way you have less buying power. You, you'll learn. Yeah, I was kind of, I was kind of sensing that from you, right? Yeah, they, then they just you know zero your account out. You know, I want to, I want to talk about this quickly since you brought up central bank digital currency. You know, I, I really believe, and I've talked to people that are at the head of the banking industry that have said this that that Bitcoin was really something that was supposed to condition us to accept it. But anything, like you said, that has one point of entry, one point of exit, and some benevolent bureaucrat controls that valve how can that possibly i mean that that seems like that is actually the definition of slavery to me i can't get my money when i want to it's my money not yours but i didn't meet your criteria of the social credit score and i can't get my money i agree with you i think something i can hold in my hand with my rifle in front of me that that's real that's something that that means something yeah yeah absolutely seeds I mean, you know, <laughs> they can produce, you know, and I, I, I'm not trying to say we should go back to cart and buggy and all that stuff. But, you know, I, I think it may be wise to, to, to pick up a 1976 Ford F-150, you know, because they're trying to put these computers in your car, too. So they'll shut you down. No, no, no. So you're going you're going around those white supremacists too much. I think we're going to need to slow you down a little bit. <laughs> well, that, I'm, I'm not in me- for that. Right. Well, let, let me ask a question about that. I mean, how how is the how have you been uh, treated when you've brought up some of these issues? Just like the the right to bear arms, right? This should not be a partisan issue. It shouldn't be a socioeconomic issue. It shouldn't be a racial issue. It's the right to bear arms. Everybody should have it because we are made in the image of God. Period. End of story. How have you been treated when you've talked about these issues? I, I make it a race issue. And I make it a race issue because I'm like, listen, black folks have only had the right to carry sidearms publicly for a short period, guys. And you're you're going to now try to take that away from us. The same people who prevented us from having firearms in the beginning, that same party whose Democratic will, because you got the majority vote, can trespass my individual liberties, God-given liberties. That kind of stuff that you're doing to, you know, unborn babies you did to slaves you did during jim crow that democratic will just because you got the majority vote it don't fly with me and you're not going to get a pass simply because you want to give black people reparations it's the democrat party it's because you think you can do whatever you want if you got the majority vote and i say nay verily and i and i can actually pick up a lot of black folks because i i even go back to the black panthers i don't agree with their racial philosophy however they taught the young men to be men. They took care of their, mm. their vulnerable, the, uh, the widows and the orphans in their community, and they taught them how to carry their rifles and disassemble them, gun safety. And they took care of their community. I'd say the same thing even with the Klan. I don't believe, agree with their race philosophy, and I tell black people this too. But, I mean, listen, if a man was beating his wife, uh, he lived in a house on the corner, he was beating his wife, the Klan would go to his house and say, hey, buddy, we heard you been beating your wife, you're drinking, you're not working, you better get it together. We'll be back in two weeks. And two weeks later, they would be back. And if he didn't have it together, they would tie his white butt to a stump and whip it. Now, I'm not trying to say we should go around whipping our neighbors. However, right. if I call DSS on that family, I've ruined that family forever. Because even if that guy gets filled with the Holy Spirit, starts speaking in tongues, traveling the world, laying hands on the sick, and they're getting up from Amen. the dead, he can't go home because she might lose her kids. 
And so we there's a, a dis, there's a disconnect from reality, and the government is that disconnect. Generally speaking, most of the problems we face come from too much government. And we, so we need to reduce government, and especially when it comes to self-governing with the right to keep and bear arms. I'll protect myself, my family, and my neighbors. We'll call the police to write reports. How about that? <laughs> Why not that simple, right? So, you know, I, I've noticed, too, coming into the United States of America, different people groups. I mean, for, for me, uh, the, the Scottish and the Irish, you know, we had our, our swords taken away in the 1670s from the Irish penal laws. And then they come to America, and all of a sudden, I can have the right to bear arms. I can have the right of self-defense. I, I am never letting this go ever again. The, just the, the, uh, the Slavic peoples that were persecuted in the former Soviet Union, the underground church there, came to the United States, and many of them, not all of them, but many of them embraced the right to bear arms because they suddenly understood, hey, wait a minute, somebody can invade our country if— just the army has guns. If all of us have guns, that kind of can be a deterrent to that. In fact, in the 1960s, uh, in the Kennedy administration, they actually had that. It was actually a strategic policy that every American have firearms as a strategic deterrent to uh, Russia, to China. So I want to get your take on that part of it as well. That This isn't maybe even ne just necessarily a family thing, but this is actually a national security thing. Absolutely. 100%, man. Right now, Montana being like one of the least population states, if they actually did what the law says, the code, and they had, you know, every male over what, I think 16 or 18 and under 45, if they were automatically, you know, enlisted and trained as the militia, they would have an, an army, <laughs> like the third largest army in the world, you know, yeah. just by virtue of doing what the law already says. What we've done is we violated reality. The founder said these truths we find to be self-evident. And I agree. After doing these experiments over time and watching them uh, decimate other countries, it's self-evident why they said that the, the, for the security of a free people, that the militia is necessary. Like, and, and the right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Why? Because we need to be prepared. I mean, it's the dumbest thing in the world that we have a standing army. I mean, our founders are like, listen, you can have a navy, but you're going to have to raise armies because it's harder to invade your own, own country from the water. But now I'm not trying to say our, our army, our navy, or excuse me, our marines would do anything like that. Uh, but I am saying is that we have come to depend on this idea way too much. And so now we even have the military becoming the socialist uh, experiment, social experiment. Where I mean, look at the generals, man. They're wearing mini skirts and they got their legs crossed and their <laughs> LGBTQ pronouns. You know, I'm, I'm like, what are you doing, guys? Just get ready for war, okay? <laughs> Just get trained and get and. But we have these Marxist university professors that are infiltrating everything. And so small government, keeping it in its place, our founders were smart. They knew what would help us stay free, our American form of republic, stay the American form of republic, not be hijacked and turned into some other form of republic. And I, I pray that we get more elected representatives that will get into office, that will preserve the American form of republic. Let's, I mean... Our government's supposed to be inefficient as a as a hindrance and a uh, obstacle, um, an impediment to despotism. Amen. And that allows all of us to be the tongue talking and healing the sick and delivering those yeah. that are tormented by demons, folks, preaching the gospel of the kingdom all over the world. I mean, when government is out of the way, 
the church right just is free. It's unleashed. And that's where we should really be leading around the world is with the church and our businesses, not with the point of a gun. But we should mm-hmm. have an army that actually is ready to protect us. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but it, I've seen some stuff in the news recently, and I'm like, I, I was in the military. I was I was in the army for 10 years. I've seen some stuff, and I'm like, man, I what happened? It seems like that if if China just blew on us, we would fall over. And I, I I don't I don't speak that into existence. I just pray right now that that the military has life in it and and gets the bearings again that is pointed in the right direction to protect this great country that God has given us. Yeah, yeah. I I, I I'm troubled by a lot of things that I see, and and I think that we've been way too interventionist, and so we've got we've grown super top heavy. As a consequence, we've allowed war hawks and people that, you know, kind of want to jump in every conflict to, to generate yeah. some income to lead the country. And so it's difficult to roll back some of those things. You know, it's almost like um, in order to to change it, you almost have to look like you're an enemy of it when you're not. Like They tried to, 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 to slime Ron Paul that way back during his campaign when he was yeah. running for president. You know, I mean, but he was just making sense. I mean, if you're going to go over there and be interventionist, you're going to create your enemies. And that's right. just the way it works. Your children uh, that, that whose parents you killed are going to come looking for you. <laughs> so, I mean, but now you get around that. And so, um, anyway, I, I hopefully, God willing, you know, we can get some common sense uh, back into our legislative processes, our executive processes. I mean, just rolling back the APA would be a start. You know, just get the, the agencies out of the, the business Amen. of writing policies that have the force of law would be great, you know. So maybe that, we can start there. <laughs> that's going to be a separate show for you and I on the Administrative Procedures Act. I have, thank you for bringing that up, but we, we don't have time right now. We've only got about a couple <laughs> minutes left. So in the last two minutes, where can people follow you, follow what you're doing, and where can they read and see what you are producing? Yeah, um, I host a show called 2A for Today. And 2A for Today is a program where we explore all things Second Amendment, all things that protect, threaten, and violate the God-given right to keep and bear arms, Second Amendment protected right of all Americans. And if you go to thenewamerican.com, uh, you can go to videos tab and you'll see my mug. <laughs> or if you just type in 2A for Today on Google and Zoe, Z-O-E, you'll also find um, our program. I, I also, I, I, I was working with a group called Center for Self-Governance, who you'll recognize that, that name. And uh, we have a documentary that uh, first part is out. It's called The Final Verdict. And the final verdict covers the Oregon trials, and it'll, mm-hmm. it should be released uh, in, the, in the next 30 days. And then uh, part two is going to be the Nevada trials, and and uh, that involves Wooten, the whistleblower, and a, and a man who I, I give all honor to. I'm, I'm so honored to be on his show today that was instrumental in helping, you know, this overreach of the federal government to be exposed in a massive way. And I just thank God for your work, bro. <laughs> Thank, well, thank so God much. for yours. Well, blessings. Thank yeah. you. And I, I, we're going to have you on again. Really appreciate it. And you can, you know, call us and, and let's talk anytime. I can give you kind of the, the backstory behind what really happened the day the whistleblower memo showed up. So uh, anyway, let's do you, it. yeah, let's do it. God bless you. Zoe Warren here on Patriot Radio. You can follow him on 2A for today. Go to thenewamerican.com. If you, you've heard that on this show many times, go there. Don't wait. Zoe, thanks so much for joining me today. God bless you. Keep up the fight. All right. 
We are really excited about the events coming up here in the next couple of weeks. This Friday at 6 o'clock. Sorry, I keep doing that, Travis. 7 o'clock at Valley Christian School, Spokane Valley, Washington. We are going to have the circuit riders focused on young adults and youth. However, all are welcome. Circuit riders travel around the whole country and uh, do worship, prayer, ministry. It's going to be a fantastic time. Um, We're already seeing the fire of God fall. As I said at the beginning of the show, it happened on On Fire Ministries here on Sunday and then at Oasis Church out in Idaho at the same time. So it's not, this is not about one ministry or one church or one person. This is happening across the country and it's going to be happening across the world. I'm really looking forward to seeing you all there. Also following that, the next weekend, the 24th and 25th of February, right here at On Fire Ministries, 115 East Pacific, Friday night, 6 o'clock, we're going to have a youth and young adults focused ministry and worship time with Bear Paw School of Ministry and Bethel Worship, and then the following night on the 25th, wide open, and we're also going to have Bear Paw and Bethel there. Look forward to seeing you then. This is Matt Shea. Thank you for joining me on Patriot Radio today. God bless all of you, and he is making this generation the greatest one. The awakening is here.